it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, welcome to this week's New Horizons program. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. Many people who are blind or vision impaired are guide dog users, and most people in the public are very well aware of guide dogs, the service that they provide to people, and the charity organisations that uh, are responsible for the guide dog movement. What people may not be aware of, however, is that for people who use guide dogs, taxis, rideshare organisations, and sometimes businesses can be fraught with trauma and stress. We're speaking today with Annette Ferguson from Dog Guide Handlers Australia about a survey that they've created to establish just how much of a problem guide dog refusals are and the impact that they have on people who are blind or vision impaired. Annette, thanks for joining us on the program. What is Dog Guide Handlers Australia? Dog Guide Handlers Australia is an independent, not-for-profit association for anyone in Australia who uses a dog as a mobility aid. Um, It's not affiliated with any of the dog guide schools uh, or organisations. And we use the term dog guide so that we can be inclusive of guide dogs and seeing eye dogs and any other dogs uh, from some of the smaller schools that are around. Um, We are here to foster, represent, promote, enhance and protect the interests of Australians who are dog guide handlers um, and our, our key objectives are to, you know, draw on the experience of, and knowledge of our members and provide peer support and advocacy and information for handlers throughout Australia. So who are the members of DGHA? Is it only guide dog handlers or are there other people involved as well? Uh, most of our members, uh, to be a full member, you have to have a working dog guide. Uh, and we also have associate members who are you know, friends and family. Um, we have instructors from various schools and other people from, you know, some of the dog guide schools uh, and other, you know, stakeholders as well. Anyone with a, you know, positive interest in our work can become an associate member. We're here today to talk about guide dog refusals, and it happens to just about everyone who's had a guide dog. But is it becoming more important? Just how prevalent is this issue at the moment? Um, It seems to be coming more prevalent. Um, And the reason I'm here today is to talk about the the form that we've set up because we want to get an accurate picture of how prevalent the problem is. Some of the schools um, do research regularly, um, but that research will cover one school in one state uh, where we're aiming to get an idea of how prevalent this Um, problem is across Australia. On our social media channels uh, and our email list, we're getting more and more reports of people not being able to get taxis and ride share. They're being refused from cafes, restaurants, pubs, accommodation, all sorts of places are just saying, no, you can't bring your, your dog in here, even though we have that legislation that says, um, you know, we can take our dogs pretty much everywhere. As I said previously, it does seem to be getting a bit worse. Do we have any understanding as to why that seems to be the case or is it just that we're becoming more aware of it? It, it does seem to be getting worse and it's so frustrating. Um, 
I, I'm not sure why it's getting worse, uh, but we do have the legislation in place. Um, what we're finding th the problem is, is that we can't enforce the legislation. So it's great that it's there. That's one step in the process. Um, but if you think about the, the issues, so you've called a taxi, the taxi arrives and they see that you've got a guide dog and they just drive off. They don't, you know, sometimes there isn't even an argument about it. And like, how do you enforce that? Um, it, it's sort of us against the individual bi business owners quite often. Sometimes the police can step in and help, but that's that's quite a big deal to, you know, get a police officer there to help you. And, you know, does that police officer even know the laws around dog guides because they're not, not that commonly known? Um, so that's, you know, that's called kind of the fight that we're, we're sort of looking to have, or, or we don't want to fight, but we want to resolve the problem, um, is enforcing the legislation because, you know, at the time of a refusal, it's just us against the business owner. Blind Citizens Australia has run a number of informed sessions on this issue featuring um, speakers from taxi companies and Uber. And it's very clear that Uber has implemented a new service animal policy. How well do you think policies like this work? Do you think they're having an effect or are we still a long way from uh, really getting some outcomes? I, I believe they have a small positive response in working, but the problem is still there. The problem is still there. Um, I, I do believe Uber have changed their policies, but that change in policy and that activation of, you know, working with that policy is not getting to the drivers. The drivers are still, you know, not wanting dog hair in their car or, you know, not wanting the dirt that they think a dog is going to bring into their car. And, you know, there just isn't enough of a consequence Um in, in putting that policy into action. They can still get away with it, basically. Um, I think the consequence for Uber might be that they, you know, they might lose a few points or they might, you know, be off the road for three hours or something. And I know that was the case with my local taxi company. If they were caught uh, refusing a guide dog, um, they would also, you know, be off the air for four hours. But that's a, a very minor consequence. Um, and... It just doesn't work, basically. Um, there need to be bigger consequences, similar to what we have for, you know, if you're caught driving without a seatbelt on, you get a hefty fine. Um, there, we also need an education um, campaign as well because some people just literally don't know that um, they don't understand the work of a guide dog and they they might have some very unrealistic image of what might happen if a dog gets into their car, they might be scared of being bitten or they might think the dog's going to jump around the car and, you know, interfere with their driving. Um, but, you know, yeah, changing policies and legislation is fabulous and we absolutely need that and we're, we're working towards that, but that is not enough. We need to enforce some kind of consequence for not um, allowing access for a guide dog. You've implemented this uh, guide dog refusal register. Tell us about the form. What sort of questions are you asking and what sort of data are you particularly looking for? Um, so the questions we're asking are, uh, we've got, 
you know, the basic stuff like, you know, when did the incident occur? Where did it take place? Because we want to get an idea, you know, is this more one state than another or one city than another? Um, the What time of day did it happen? Um, where did it happen? So, for example, was it an eatery, a retail or some other business, rideshare, taxi, public transport, accommodation or, or somewhere else? Um, we are asking for the name of the business, but we're not going to share the name of the business with anyone. That's just for our, you know, our knowledge so that we can sort of have an idea of, you know, where this is happening. Um, we're asking people to describe the incident in their own words, what actually happened and what was the outcome. Um, we want to know also whether people have taken legal action or reported to some sort of authority. Uh, and the, I think one of the most important things that we're collecting is how has this refusal experience affected you? Because we have so many handlers who are reporting that they are traumatised um, by these refusal experiences and that they're, they're changing their lifestyle, like they're not going out as much or they're having to find creative ways around this problem, um, you know, in asking friends for a ride or, or using a support worker to, to get a ride somewhere. Um, it's quite a traumatic experience um, to be refused from somewhere or to be left stranded. Um, so we, we are asking for contact numbers, um, but that's that's optional as well. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much what we're asking about. We've spent a lot of time focusing on Uber and taxis in this uh, in this discussion, and it seems to me that the issues of guide dog refusals are particularly endemic to that industry. Do you think that's a fair statement? And what do you think we might do about it? I do. I do think it's a fair statement. I think our workforce has changed. Um, uh, I think that there are less taxi drivers on the road and people can be more selective uh, when they're running rideshare businesses or, um, you know, taxi businesses. Um, and yes, I think that's a fair statement. Um, I think so much has changed since the pandemic. Uh, and that's where I've noticed it more as well. Um, you know, I can I can wait a good hour and a half for a taxi because my uh, taxi provider, you know, they put the call out, they recognise my number, they know that um, I have a guide dog now and uh, they just keep resubmitting. Uh, and I think that's the case. I've heard that story a lot from other people as well, um, from our members that, you know, people can be more selective because uh, jobs are easier to find at the moment. In your experience, what's the position of the guide dog schools in this area? Do they take it seriously? And do you think that they're doing enough to advocate in this area? I think they they do take it seriously. Um, they're hearing reports from their clients as well. Uh, but I think what is needed is that all of the schools need to get together and, um, you know, work as one big force to help resolve this problem and help overcome this problem. Tell us how people can fill out the form and make sure that their guide dog refusals are counted in the overall data set. The best way to do that is to go to the Dog Guide Handlers website, which is, it's a very simple uh, web address, dgha.org.au. And on the, the front, the, the homepage of that website, um, 
If you scroll down just a tiny bit, uh, you'll see a heading called Report Your Dog Guide Refusal. Um, and it's got a bit of a blurb explaining the form. Then there's a link to the form. Um, we have found that some people, particularly if you're not signed into a Google account, uh, get a, an inaccessible capture at the end of the form. So we've also provided this questionnaire as a Word format and also a RTF format. So you can download those and complete those forms and email them to dgha at dgha.org.au. Um, and if all of that fails, you can just email us and somebody will call you and we can help you fill in the form. Um, it's unfortunate that we've got this capture thing at the end of our form, but uh, we, we really do want reports. Uh, we really do need um, a national picture of how big this problem is so that we can start to um, resolve the problem at government level. And clearly this is not going to be an easy fix. How long will the form be open and how long can people fill in their information? Um, the form opened uh, just a month ago and we're taking reports of refusals that happened in, from 2022 onwards. Um, we do intend to lodge a... Um, a submission to the Disability Royal Commission. Um, so we'll use the data we collect uh, from now until I think it's the middle of the year that um, we're going to be lodging that um, submission. Uh, but we're going to leave the form open because we want to see what the trend is. So for now, it's open indefinitely. Um, and yeah, we just encourage all dog guide handlers to use this form to report any refusal incidents. Annette Ferguson there from Dog Guide Handlers Australia. If you'd like to look at that uh, website, it's dgha.org.au is the web address and the form is featured prominently there, the Guide Dog Refusal Register. Let's see if we can do something about this because it's uh, becoming a real problem for a lot of people. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, you can call 1-800-033-660, 1-800-033-660. If you'd like to email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. Don't forget that Blind Citizens Australia relies heavily on donations from the public and from its members. If you'd like to donate, contact BCA and uh, they'll be sure to advise you on how you can do that. You can, of course, have a look at the website and donate online as well. In the meantime, I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream Of a dream